0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it.
1: We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's
0: going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. These
2: independent people are getting so much traction, producing so many numbers, because honestly, the WNBA fan is starving for it. It puts the pressure on these bigger companies next to hire people to cover the WNBA. And so it just is a full circle moment. I think it's a beautiful thing. This is what these athletes deserve. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little
1: back for another week it's John Little here with you on the Her Hoop Stats podcast powered by herhoopstats.com week number 8 show number 8 thank you so much for your support we're having a great time bringing it to you our episode with Kelly Graves last week the head coach of Oregon women's basketball It was so well received, our most listened to podcast so far, and we keep growing every week and we only have you to thank. So thanks so much. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure to go back and peruse some of the other interviews that we've had, like Tisha Pinachero in episode one. Also, uh, Tamika Catchings was awesome. Did you see her compete on American Ninja Warrior? That was great to see. We had her on and so many more along the way as well that I know you'll really, really enjoy. And if you do, hey, just leave us a review. Uh, Rate us if you're on Apple Podcasts. Went a little bit different this week. Uh, Talking to a couple of young women that I'm really impressed with, and I know you're going to love to, that have... Uh, passions for the game of basketball in different ways and really both from a media perspective but one specializing in media and one still in her playing career I think you're really going to enjoy talking to these two. A little bit later on in the show we're going to hear from Haley Tucker I'll tell you about her uh, in just a little bit but first off Ari Chambers is joining us and Ari has been a key contributor to growing the game of women's basketball, especially on social media, especially in videos over the last few years. She's so passionate, such a bright light for the WNBA. It's just a great like-minded discussion about how to continue to grow the game of the WNBA, really in a lot of ways using social media and using new media tactics. So I'm so thankful to be joined by Ari Chambers.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be
3: here.
1: Well, tell us about what you do on a weekend and week out basis, especially here during the summer, during WNBA season. What are some of your roles as you try to um, help uh, you know promote the WNBA?
2: This summer in particular is a really unique situation for me. I typically have in the past done things on my own, but Bleacher Report and House of Highlights have hired me as their social programmer to start up their women's side of House of Highlights. So my summer has been really dedicated to that, but I'm still going to every game that I can and you know, giving you guys Twitter coverage and things of that nature. But what a typical summer looks like To me, going to most of the Liberty games and a lot of Connecticut games and Atlanta, D.C. and L.A., those are like my five core teams. I know that really none of them are like that close, but especially New York and Connecticut. Last summer, I was Connecticut Suns back up in arena host. So I was at a lot of Connecticut games um, meeting people that way. But a typical, you know, summer for me is just finding these cool moments within the WNBA and and just sharing them. And that's what I intend to do with the Bleacher platform or the House of Highlights platform that I've inherited. And hopefully we can make this thing grow.
1: How did uh, those hookups happen between you and and Bleacher Report and House of Highlights as you, um, you know, as you said, you've been, quote, kind of doing it on your own in the past. So how did they catch wind of you and how did they bring you on board?
2: Yeah, it's been a long time coming. So about, Five years ago, I just started off as like a cheerleader. Um, I cheered for the Knicks, Rangers, and Liberty. And during Liberty season, a couple of my friends um, play in the WNBA, and I was noticing that nobody covers them. So I was like, why does nobody cover them? So back in 2016 or 17, I can't even remember which year, I saw that Hypo Soups, which was then called The Summit, was hiring and I have a background in writing and I started writing, but then I went to 2017 All-Star and Howard was like, Howard Magdal, he was like, why don't you get in front of the camera? I never really considered it until he, he, he suggested it. And I realized it was something as easy as talking to my friends on camera or on my cell phone camera and just publishing it and nobody was doing it back then. So it was just like a dope experience to, you know, get their stories out there and over the years I've gotten better you know reporting and talking to players and like finding unique stories and so from there you know there's only like 10 of us that actually cover the W so your notoriety is kind of like carved out for you there and Bleacher Report, Doug Bernstein from House of Highlights actually reached out to me and offered me the position.
1: So as one of the originals, we can call you an OG, right? Because, uh, <laughs> y- you know, you've been there and you've done it for, like you said, uh, half a decade now. Yeah. And uh, But we've seen, I think, an explosion, especially coming into this year with social media coverage, with several other websites, um, deciding that basically, hey, it's not there. We're just going to do it ourselves. You know, we want to see this done. We're going to do it ourselves. How cool is that for you to see the the coverage really explode like it has this past year?
2: I think that's what it's all about. We've been waiting for this moment to spread the good word of the W and and, you know, encourage people to, give it you know, some eyes and pay attention to it so they can realize how great it is. And to see all that come into fruition, that passion actually pan out to be something is a beautiful thing. And then what happens is when these independent people are getting so much traction, producing so, much, so many numbers, because honestly, the WNBA fan is starving for it, it puts the pressure on these bigger companies next to hire um, people to cover the WNBA. And so it just is a full circle moment I think it's a beautiful thing. This is what these athletes deserve. They deserve this, and that's honestly the whole point of it. They deserve adequate coverage. M- many of them have played for Team USA. They're Olympians. They've won college and high school championships. They've won in WNBA championships, and they still, you know, have to deal with other discrepancies. But media shouldn't be one of them. And so I'm glad that you know the good word of the W is getting spread, so that bigger companies and organizations can realize, hey, this is important, and there is a
1: calling for it. See, these are the best 144 players in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's really hard to get that through the the head of somebody who has – for whatever reason, this um, this blockage in their brain as if to say, no, nah, I can't watch women's basketball. That's not any good. But if we can just get them to a game, I think yeah. I feel like it all changes. Have you seen that uh, along the way with anybody in particular that you've uh, been able to to convince to come out to uh, to games?
2: A hundred percent. I mean, even some of my close friends that never wanted to watch women's basketball before were, were like, you got, you're got you getting on my nerves so much that I'm going to actually go to a game and, like, so I can basically, you know, talk smack if it's not all it's cracked up to be. And at this point, I, ha- I have yet to see them be disappointed. So it's like, it's, it's so dope to see them go into the arena, especially the men who are so against it, bringing their families into the arenas. And and showing like their kids a good time, or their wife a good time, or their their partner a good time. It's just it's just an overall great experience, and you do get to see the highest level of basketball being played that you will see, especially on the women's side, because they don't realize there's so many international players too. It's just it's just a dope atmosphere, and the more we get the people in the arenas, the the better it will be. The more eyes we can get on the game, the better it will be. Uh, one of my friends, Ellie from Portugal. She didn't even know women played basketball. So when she went to her first Liberty game back at Madison Square Garden, her mind was blown because she was just like, I didn't even know this was happening. And that's a a big issue too. A lot of people don't know about the WNBA. It's shocking because we're in it and we're like, how do you not know? But there are a lot of people that just don't know that it exists
1: and i ran into that in my day job my my boss actually told me that he did not know there was a wnba team in his county basically you know in in dfw playing uh during the summer and i had to kind of educate him about it and say no i'm going to i'm going to do a few stories here i'm going to i'm going to force these on the air i know not we're not a sports station and we're not a it's not probably traditional to cover the wnba but listen this is the right thing to do and we're going to if yeah. it's a big story we need to cover it because there are thousands of people at these at these games. We can't act like it doesn't exist anymore.
2: I, I think that's where we're where at a place where we can't. We really cannot act like it doesn't exist because the players, they're, they're like, OK, if we're not going to get coverage from the media. We're going to we're going to make noise ourselves. And that's what I'm so proud of them for doing, because they have been able to make noise and they have been able to be like, OK, if nobody wants to talk about it, I'll make my own news. Like, look at Natasha Cloud. She's like, this is happening in D.C., I feel strongly about this. This is what I'm going to talk about on my social media. I'm going to create this platform and get the word out." And then you have other people just like, strictly about basketball that are just like, our game is just dope. Let me talk about how our game is just dope. And then you have the fashionistas of the league. There's just so many different facets that we can discuss that haven't been talked about before. And now that like the players are getting more of a platform, the word is spreading. I think the game is going to be like, just
1: keep growing. We're visiting with Ari Chambers from Bleacher Report and House of Highlights, and you talk about it there, the, the social platforms or, you know, standing for social change has been such a theme in the WNBA. You know, why are these athletes in the WNBA so much more passionate about social change than we see the predominant percentage of male athletes?
2: Because they're the oppressed. I mean, women are the oppressed. But even beyond that, I just remember 2016 when the Black Lives Matter movement started and the players stood in unity about that and they got fined $1,500 the, by the league. And, the, and that was each player. And the league uh, eventually rescinded it and said, never mind, you don't have to pay. But they realized that they, they had a voice that could disrupt. The whole point of using your voice is to disrupt and cause change to something that, you know, you feel strongly to advocate for or against. And the players realize that they don't really have much to lose. Like, literally, if you're working with $50,000 and you get fined 1500 I mean, you're not losing that much, if, even if you lose your whole salary. They have other options overseas. So my thing is, like, they're playing the in um, the most elite league. They know that they'll be able to stand in unity because it's been proven that they've come together in times where they need to speak out. So they know they have their 143 sisters around them. And then nobody's going to tell them no, because the most you can do is keep finding them. And then you look crazy. So I think that they've just gone to a place where they're going to be like, okay, if I'm going to be in this position, at least if I can't financially model how life is supposed to be, I'm going to use my voice and, you know, vocalize the things that matter.
1: It's fascinating stuff. I, I just love it. What have been some <laughs> of your best individual stories that you have uncovered or that you've come across in the last few years? You were talking about, you know, getting one-on-one with some uh, of these athletes and, and, and digging and finding those stories. What are, what are some of your favorites?
2: You know, I can't even take credit for this one. I actually read it the other day, Jessica Breland and, um, you know, fighting cancer. I think that's a really admirable story. Um, I, I I I didn't know that about her. And I know she started a wellness spa in Durham, North Carolina. We're both from the 919 area. So it's just dope to see her give back to the community like that. And just seeing the growth of players. Like my favorite player growth story is probably Sh- Shatori Walker Kimbra. I've been I moved her into college park so I have known her since she was 18 and I just remember that summer before she started and she was just you know really going through it in college like her freshman year and then coach Atkins was at Maryland at the time and he just saw something in her and to see her grow from that to you know playing the minutes now that she does for the Mystics and her to still be in that that DMV area is beautiful to watch I love t- seeing Tasha come into her own. I think instead of, like, stories necessarily, I just like to watch the growth of players. Like, I've seen Kalani grow up in, like, the poise that she's had and how it translates into the league. It's just little beautiful moments like that that I'm just like, wow. Wow.
1: They're I- They're great. How many games are you able to catch in a week? Are 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 you by the channel every single one you possibly can, or do you, like you mentioned, a lot of those East Coast teams are those mainly the ones that you try to catch? Or uh, no,
2: if they're on League Pass or if they're on CBS or if they're on Yes Network or wherever I can watch it, I'm watching the game. Um, I typically the only games that I miss is if I'm at another game. So, um, and yesterday I fell asleep with the aces but that's just because i was really really tired i literally came back from la and was like i gotta lay out but and that was the game to not miss apparently gosh darn but (laughs) i don't know I, i make as many as i can uh i'll tell you hands down probably my favorite i i i love the connecticut basketball experience and i love the sparks basketball experience like being in the arena with them both of them they're fun they're super fun organizations, super, like, supportive of their players. And those two, I mean, shout out to them.
1: As a member of the media, you and uh-huh. and I, I think it's really cool what Shanae Agumake is doing right now. You know, the, the duo of being on ESPN, uh, you know, analyzing NBA free agency right after playing a game, I thought was, you know, just one of the really – Uh, cool things. How do you break down her game as a broadcaster right now as as a fellow media member?
2: She's literally impeccable. I think that for me to prep for a broadcaster, for me to prep to analyze somebody's game, it's so much studying. But you have to realize she's not only doing that, she's literally playing games, washing off and running to the ESPN studios. The focus and the discipline and the prioritizing skills that are needed to like do that I don't know how she does it I remember I was at the ESPNW summit and it was in the middle of training camp and I'm like how did you get away to speak at this and you have to fly right back the girl's a superwoman I I I don't understand it I think she's an amazing uh well-spoken uh energetic personality and I think she has longevity in broadcasting because like Honestly, basketball can't be her everything, especially not with the injuries she's had. And, you know, she's not getting any younger. I mean, she's only like, what, 26, but still not getting any younger. Like the injuries are there. I, I think that it's it's very healthy that she has this balance. And I think that it's really a testament to her hard work that she's going to be able to like live a, a life with a solid career when she decides she wants to hang up her basketball shoes.
1: We're visiting with Ari Chambers and uh, just a, a super fan and then super broadcaster as well for Bleacher Report and House of Highlights, too. Where do you want to take this? Where, where's your ultimate goal?
2: I laugh about this all the time because when people ask me this, I refer to something that Jasmine Baker told me the other year. She was like, I can really see you being the Oprah of the WNBA. And that's what I want to do. I want to do personality pieces with players, like a sit down Oprah style or you know, like just like feature pieces on players and tell their stories. That's what I want out conversational, nothing really to do with on the court. I'll leave that to you guys, but it's just like, I know basketball, like the back of my hand, but I, I think that the real interesting story that has yet to be tapped into is, is their personal lives. I think so long we've been afraid to ask them about themselves, afraid to let their personality show their views show, you know, in, in any way, I think that that's what I can bring out of them. The peer eye to eye understanding, you know, that's, that's why I just, that's why I do what I do to share their story.
1: That's great. So how can people follow you if they're not already following what you do?
2: My Instagram and Facebook and Twitter are all at Ari Ivory, A-R-I-I-V-O-R-Y. I -I Uh, I like to keep things universal, but please guys, until our rebrand, it's going to be called Jayla, but follow us at wearejayla.com we are j-a-y-l-a um that is the women's platform for house of highlights it's run by me we're about to undergo a rebrand so just stay tuned for the new name but until then it's we are jayla and that is it that's from
1: me wonderful wonderful job i really appreciate it and i'm um uh, i'm excited to be able to talk to you one-on-one for the first time and i'm uh huge fan uh, of what you're doing and the energy you're bringing to the WNBA so thank you for taking ownership in it and I'm glad you're seeing greater and greater success for yourself personally.
2: Absolutely and that's the theme of this summer we're keeping the energy up it's energy like anything you tweak just energy and keep on with the WNBA it's so important because it really is and I want people to know that.
1: That is Ari Chambers here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Really appreciate her time and her enthusiasm for the game of women's basketball. Now on to a closer personal friend of mine, a young woman named Haley Tucker. And boy, what a player she was for the last four years for Southwestern Oklahoma State in Weatherford, Oklahoma. They finished runner up, in the Division II National Championship game, falling in double overtime uh, to Lubbock Christian. And Swasu had Lubbock Christian dead to rights late in that game before uh, Lubbock Christian hit a late shot to help keep them alive and eventually come out with a national championship. I mean, just a great season for Southwestern and a terrific career for Haley Tucker with 2,360 points for her career. We're a stats website, so we like that a lot. She's the all-time leading scorer in Great American Conference history, second all-time leading scorer in southwestern Oklahoma State history, and in all of Division II last year, she finished in the top 5% in turnover rate and the top 10% as well in block rate. And she's, by the way, the all-time leading blocks getter in southwestern history as well. But the thing that makes Haley's story so significant to me is that she had opportunities to go the Division One route when she came out of high school. And I think it's a great story for those who are wanting to play athletics in college and trying to make that decision to hear that sometimes Division One isn't always best. Sometimes there are other opportunities out there that just fit your heart a whole lot better. So enjoy this conversation with Haley Tucker.
3: Thank you, John. I'm excited to be talking to you again. We, we've missed you, like I've said.
1: Uh, well, I've missed you guys, too. And for anybody that doesn't know, I got my start uh, kind of professionally in Weatherford. And right as I was exiting, Haley and her uh, partner in crime, Hayden Pretty, came onto the scene right at the uh, end of my tenure there. And they, you could say, see that they were going to be stars down the line. And so I was so proud to, to see them come to national prominence this last year. Uh, but Haley, I wanted to go into the most interesting part of your story, I think, for uh, more of a national audience is the decision that you had to make back at the end of your high school career. Uh, you were from Bartlesville, a highly rated prospect. Tell us if you would about some of the offers you were getting, the high end offers you were getting toward the end of your high school career.
3: Right. You know, and a lot of people look at me and they kind of almost judge me in a way, you know, I'm a six foot three blonde girl, you know, and they, they think I had this glorious life growing up and everything. And I didn't. I mean, I kind of had a harder life. And so whenever I was getting these D1 offers and everything, I didn't really know how to take it. You know, I come from a a little bit more of a lower middle-class family, um, I didn't want to leave my family. We became really close with some tragedies that have happened whenever I was younger. And so I really didn't want to leave my family. And um, so when I'm getting all these offers from the East coast, the West coast, you know, the North, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. And honestly, the recruiting process is so stressful in and of itself. And you know, you've got coaches calling you every minute of every day. You've got them calling you during school and, um, It's so stressful that it honestly got me to the point where I said, you know what? I don't want to play basketball anymore. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so stressed out. Mom, dad, I'm done. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it was a very stressful time. And, you know, I went on these visits. I went on official visits to uh, four schools, I believe, and. I didn't feel comfortable there. I mean, there was one school that I thought, okay, this could be it. But then it was 30 hours away. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, the coaches did a great job of making me feel at home. But then when I got back home on my flight, I was like, holy crap. No, I can't. (laughs) I can't do that. So then I told every D2 school that that had recruited me, no, I'm going D1. Like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it big. So then Coach Music and Coach Anderson They kept calling and kept, you know, texting. How are you doing? Blah, blah, all that stuff. Just being so respectful, so nice. So then um, I was like, you know, let me just give it a try. My aunt and uncle live there. I'm going to just go see them. I'll just, you know, give it a try. Give it a shot. The first, John, I'm not kidding. The first step that I took on campus and I met them, I knew. It hit me. I said, I know that I'm supposed to be here. I know that God is leading me to Southwestern. And, you know, it worked out for the past four years, and we made it to the national championship. And I'm just so blessed and thankful that I got to make that decision for myself.
1: And what we're seeing in the era of social media, and not that you didn't grow up in the era of social media, you absolutely did, but it's even (laughs) becoming more prominent over the last few years. I made my commitment, respect my decision 100%. Everybody wants to put out. Every division one offer that they have, or you know, division two, uh, all the offers are public now, and it's almost like you get addicted to that attention of getting the division one offers, and then you don't listen to your heart. Big credit to you for you know, a little over four years ago, now listening to your heart. What helped you? to do that because we're not saying that division one is bad here not at all and we're not saying that division two is the is the right choice for everybody but you listen to your heart what helped you to do that
3: right um and no disrespect to anyone that posts that or anything but i personally didn't do that you know a lot of the media would come to me like you know newspapers uh, TV stations that post on social media, and they'd be like, So, who do you have offers from? And I would tell them, and they were like, Seriously? Like, we didn't even know that you had all these D1, you know, because I never posted anything. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no disrespect there, but I mean, it's just the difference of me four years ago to people now. <laughs> D1, it's awesome. It's great. D2, it's awesome. It's great. D3, it's awesome. It's, whatever level, JUCO, anything that you decide to go to, it's good for you. You have to realize what is a good potential fit for you and all the D ones that were to me were very high level. And I knew that, you know, I'd probably have to sit the bench for first, second year, maybe if that's how it went. And then, you know, those schools that were to me, they weren't a Yukon, they weren't, you know, a Notre Dame or anything like that. Like no disrespect to them, but making it to the national championship wasn't really there, you mm. know, um, you know, we could have maybe done something in our conference, but Making it all the way to national championship, it wasn't in the cards. So when I did visit Southwestern, Coach Music and Coach Anderson were like, This is we're doing this. Like we're making it all the way. We're tired of, you know, not making it all the way, not being respected out there. And even this year we weren't respected in the coaches poll or the, you know, national poll. So the fact that now that we g- like garnered that respect for them and got to leave a legacy for them, I'm just so thankful to be able to do that. And that was what was in the cards for me.
1: I, I thought it was so cool to see just at the end of your career how you are known as one of the two or three best players to ever play at Southwestern Oklahoma State. And I realize that many people listening to this aren't familiar with Southwestern Oklahoma State, but Kelly Litch is number one, and you can't knock her off that pedestal, and that will never mm-hmm. happen, right, Haley? All right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Women's Basketball Hall of Famer and 2,700 points and three national championships as a player, so you can't knock her off that pedestal. But uh, but you're right there um, and next to her, but you truly left a legacy that that would have probably been a lot less possible had you gone to a division one school. Can you expound just a, a little bit more on that?
3: Yeah. So, um, I had a way paid for me, honestly, with coach Me and coach Anderson, they gave me that role to be able to do the things that I did to be able to score that many points. Um, you know, I, everyone always asks me, do you think you're going to catch up to Kelly? I'm like, I can get pretty close, but I'm not going to get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, they paved the way for me, and they were able to do that because they have a real connection with their players. Sometimes when you go up to a higher school, they won't connect with their players on a certain level that I have connected with my two coaches. And I'm not saying all D1 schools do that by any means, but I know some girls that have gone Division One who said, I don't even really talk to my head coach. You know, they're really close with their assistant, but they don't talk to the head coach. That is completely different here at Southwestern, you know, I call them, I text them, they, they get mad at me when I don't come and see them whenever I come <laughs> to weather. So I mean, no, it, it it's the different level of closeness at that point with your coaches. And that's what helped me because I could go in and talk to them and they'd be like, listen, this is what we need from you. This is what we expect from you. And, you know, it really helped me those four years that I was there.
1: It almost feels like the rarity these days at whatever level that a person comes in and plays all four years at the same school and graduates from that school they started at these days. And I know that's probably not the reality, but um, you know, I'm just thinking about the rosters that I see, especially at the division one level uh, where you've in some cases got four different schools that these uh, girls or guys have gone to uh, before they finally get to the end of their career. And I don't know if it, shows that they didn't make the right choice off the bat, or, you know, maybe things change. That's always possible. Coaching changes, things like that do happen along the way. Uh, but that's gotta be a big part of why you feel so satisfied at the end of your collegiate career. Right.
3: Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, there are stuff that like that happens, uh, you know, some coaching changes, everything like that. But honestly, my thing, my biggest thing was loyalty you know i made a commitment to these two women 4 years ago and i was going to stick with it you know i i could have left and went to a d1 school actually or to a couple of d1s but i was like no i'm i'm sticking with these two women they they trusted me enough to give me a scholarship at southwestern so you know it's just loyalty honestly and that really does help because i've grown so close to them and i wouldn't have had that you know anywhere else that I probably would have transferred. I mean, I'm not going to say I wouldn't have, but I just have such a special bond with them that it's, I just can't believe I could get it anywhere else. You know,
1: for those that don't know, how does that work? Like when you're in a lower level, how does word spread that, Hey, such and such school, you know, you're at a division two, but this division one would have a place for you if you wanted to, how does that unfold?
3: Right. So it's just um, different coach or not not college coaches, but different coaches that you've um, played for or talked to or anything like that. They'll reach out to you and say, you know, hey, this this could happen if you like it. But I mean, it, nothing ever came up of it. So that's good, because I believe I don't know if it's illegal or what, but I know you. I don't think you can talk to, you know, other college coaches on that kind of level and agree to anything. But I mean, or maybe you can. I don't know. But I never talked to another college coach like that.
1: Yeah. I was just wondering how, you know, word gets spread like that, but that makes more sense. The great part of this story is that you had such a successful career at the Division Two level that you made it all the way to the national championship game, coming up just a tick short. For those that think, if I go Division Two, it squashes my ability or my potential to be a pro player, what would you say to that?
3: I would say, Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I just signed with a club in Visby, Sweden, um, a professional basketball team, and I'm just so stoked and so, so excited. And, you know, it, any Division Two women's basketball girl could go over and play if they were successful, you know, and I have a lot of people that I know that are actually thinking about going to play pro after they've seen me sign. <laughs> and um, it's just really special and really cool that Uh, I can do that and maybe make a stepping stone way for other girls in the Division II level.
1: How did you push yourself while being a Division II player to work like anybody else would across the way, even like at a UConn or at a Notre Dame like you brought up, and and try to make sure that you're making yourself better and maximizing your potential, even though, yes, you're not going up against elite-level athletes night in and night out?
3: Well, that's called Coach Music and Coach Anderson right there. (laughs) (laughs) The program that they instill with the preseason, with season, and postseason, it's, I mean, now that I look back on it, it's incredible. During it, I hated every part of it, but, uh, you know, they they prepare you. That's why we can run a high-level offense and a very high-level defense now with chaos and the full court press, they get you prepared for that. And, you know, I i can go through any workout now and be like, this is a piece of cake compared to what Coach Music and Coach Anderson had me do. <laughs>
1: I hear you. Also, Haley, I thought it was so cool. And I know that down the line, it's a big goal of yours to get into sports broadcasting. And I absolutely think that you've got a a future there. And I look forward to seeing you there down the line once uh, uh, you are done with your pro career or even like uh, Shanae Agumake or something like that. You know, you can do it while you're playing. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Tell me about interacting with Aaron Andrews even a little bit on Twitter, who I know is somebody that you really Uh, look up to uh, how she tweeted at you a few months ago?
3: Right. You know, um, I thought that I was going to go straight into the workforce after um, college. I didn't think that I was going to go play overseas, actually, because I I mean, I I didn't really ever have that, you know, in my mind. I just had sports broadcasting just engraved in there. And so I actually got a really good job offer, a really good job offer from uh, a place. And, you know, I just, I had to turn them down because I said, I don't think I'm done with basketball. There's just something in my heart that's telling me I need to continue to play. But um, yeah, the Aaron, I mean, Aaron Andrews tweeted me. She freaking tweeted me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we uh, actually, Doug Self, our sports information director, he texted me it because uh, he had posted a video of me doing an interview with our rodeo coach. She saw a person tweet, Haley Tucker, like, aspired to be Aaron Andrews when she's little. Didn't even tag her. And then she like quotes it and is like, "Good job, Haley." Blah blah. I'm like, "Oh, I you should have seen me. My I just screamed. It was insane. I mean, like you said, she's a childhood hero for me. She's paved the way for women in sports broadcasting, and so it was just so exciting to have her, you know, talk to me."
1: Well, we got to figure out a way for you to shadow her at a cowboy game or something like that down the line. We got to we got to figure this out. We got to we got to make yeah, this I'd happen for you. That would be cool. <laughs> um but you you just said something and well, we can kind of leave it with this. It's gone full circle for you. You just said that you had to turn down an offer cuz you weren't done playing basketball. Where, you know, late in your high school career, you said, "I'm done playing basketball because this is stressing me out too much." When you think about those 4 years in between and just how it's really come full circle for you. What do you think about?
3: I mean, it's just incredible. I'm very blessed to be able to have gone that full circle because without basketball, I really don't know where I'd be right now. Without Coach Music and Coach Anderson in my life, I really don't know where I'd be. And I'm just, you know, so thankful that God has placed them in my life and God has placed basketball in my life again. And I'm just so thankful that I did not quit because, this is who I am and coach music always said that whenever you graduate you're not gonna know who you're gonna have an identity crisis because you don't know who you are without basketball and that happened to me I as soon as I took a step out of southwestern and came home I was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do now you know so I'm just so glad that I have the opportunity again to play basketball in such a great country and for such a great team and coaches and I'm just so excited
1: That is Southwestern Oklahoma State All-American Haley Tucker here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Really appreciate Haley's time this week. Thanks also to Ari Chambers for joining us on the show this week. Make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and just make sure to tell everybody uh, where you heard this uh, great interview show because uh, we've got many more to come. Make sure to hit that favorite button or that subscribe button so you know every single time. We've got a new podcast for you to consume. We'll talk to you next week. The announcer for the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Susie Solis. Thanks so much to Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com for the theme song, and Aaron Barzilai is the executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little, and here at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.